Today we've come to the very end of James's letter. And I said right at the beginning of it, if I was to sum up the drive of this letter in one word, I'd use the word non-passivity. Um, and then I explained what it means. Um, there's nothing passive about the Christian faith. We don't have Christianity done to us. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ is a very active experience. And I guess a statement of James that sums it up really well is faith without works is dead. And today, as we finish off the final two verses of this letter, once again, it's about non-passivity. James won't let us finish reading this letter and then settle down to having a faith that doesn't do anything. Um, I'm going to read it to you again. My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Right? He's telling us that as Christians... As disciples of Jesus, we have a responsibility. And it's a responsibility not just for ourselves, but it's a responsibility for our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's a responsibility to the whole church. It's a responsibility that when we notice somebody departing from the truth, we have a responsibility to urge them to turn back to the truth. Now, For the purpose of getting the most out of this, I've decided I'm going to break it up into a few headings. The first heading is James's example. The letter that we've just finished reading is an example of a Christian brother, James, bringing a wandering brother or brothers, his readers, back to the truth. See, James has a deeply pastoral heart. And so should we. James cares about what happens to his brothers and sisters in Christ. And so should we. James could see a particular problem in the church. There were people who were departing from the truth. There were people who said that they believed. They they claimed that they had faith in Jesus, but their lives, their behaviour, their actions were not the actions of disciples of Jesus. And James, in this letter, he's asking him, is is that kind of faith, is that a faith that's going to save you? And, of course, it's implied, no, no, it's not. And so in this letter, James has been teaching us that faith without works is dead. Faith that is not accompanied by living out that faith is not a saving faith. He says to them, you're deceiving yourselves. You think you're saved. But you're not. And his love that he had for his brothers and sisters in Christ meant that he could not stay silent. And so he had to attempt to lead them back to the truth so that they might be saved. And he wrote this letter. How successful was he? How successful was he in leading people back to Christ? Well, that's up to the hearers. It's up to us. Have we taken on board what James has taught us? Have we been challenged and will we attempt to live 
as disciples of Jesus, actively following Jesus and abiding by his teaching and his commandments. If so, James has been very successful in what he's been trying to do. He's been very successful in leading us to the truth, saving us from spiritual death and covering a multitude of our sins. So, have you? Have you been challenged to walk as a disciple of Jesus? As a result of of studying this letter of James, have you been challenged to put the faith that you have into action? To take it from just a mere belief and put it into actions? I hope so. Because what we do reveals what we truly believe about God. but not everybody does listen to James. As I've prepared to deliver just about every message as we've worked this way, worked our way through James, in my reading, I've encountered many views from all sorts of people trying to explain away the very real challenge that James has been clearly laying down for us, his readers. You see, some people, they hold a theological mindset that doesn't line up with what James is teaching. And what James teaches, by the way, is very much in line with what Jesus taught. But they hold this mindset, this theological position, and rather than letting the scriptures bring them back to the truth, they try to explain it away. And so some people will read the letter of James and not turn to the truth. And therefore not be saved. And their multitude of sins will not be covered. Or perhaps as they teach their error, they may cause others to not be saved. And woe for them. Teachers will be judged more harshly. And if, as I teach, I cause one of Jesus' disciples to sin, woe, woe. So this letter has been an example of of James living out what he's teaching us today. So let's move on now to the second heading, the problem. The problem is, and I don't need to try and convince you that this is true, you've seen it happen, the problem is we've all seen Christians, our brothers and sisters in Christ, wander away from the truth. Some head off on weird tangents, some give up faith altogether, some get caught up in sin, some get carried away by false teachers or false teachings. Uh, you know, maybe a young Christian lady might take up with an unbeliever and, and so she wanders away. Uh, some get distracted by their sports, some get distracted by making money and, and these things become more important to them and they wander away from Jesus. Some come to faith in an hour of need But then later on, they just seem to lose interest. Some turn to the wisdom of the world and deny the wisdom of God because the two are not compatible. There are whole denominations who have wandered from the truth. Uh, There are cults who wander from the truth. Uh, Whole families wander from the truth. And individuals wander away from the truth. It's actually a pretty common biblical theme. To wander away from the truth is any deviation from the way of righteousness. 
Now, I've so often heard preachers say and defend backsliders. Oh, but this isn't talking about backsliders, they would say. Well, actually, I, I sort of read this and I started wondering, does it include backsliders? You know what I mean by backsliding? Backsliding is if somebody says that they believe, but they, they don't seem to have any interest at all in God anymore. They stop coming to worship. They don't serve in any Christian ministry. They're not evangelizing. They're not praising God. They're not reading their Bibles. They're not praying. They're not inviting other people to come to Jesus. They, in fact, they're not at all like a disciple of Jesus. Now, what about these people? Well, I don't know. James does say faith without works is dead. But that's God's judgment to make. It's not my judgment and it's not your judgment. You see, it's not up to us to decide who's in and who's out. Our job is to encourage our brothers and sisters who seem to be wandering from the truth, wandering from Christ, wandering from faith. Our job is to encourage each other on in the faith and to urge one another on in the truth, to believe the truth and to act in truth. And so the third heading is the consequence. And I suppose the consequence of wandering from the truth, of deviating from the way of righteousness, depends on the nature of that deviation. Some sin leads to death. But not all sin leads to death. If you want to read about that, you can read 1 John chapter 5. But the trouble is it doesn't explain it fully. You're sort of left feeling, well, well, is this a sin that leads to death or is it not? Um, I guess from my reading in the Bible, these two things are probably pretty clear. Unrepented sin and apostasy. Apostasy is falling away from faith, falling away from the truth, which is Jesus. And unrepented sin and apostasy, apostasy have a consequence. Spiritual death. Hell. Now, there is quite a common teaching about, which says once saved, always saved. Um, now, I just want you to know that it doesn't actually say that in the Bible. That's just a, a phrase which some people use. Um, and if you believe once saved, always saved, well, you're not going to like what the Bible has to say about this. You're not going to like what James says about it, and you're not going like, to like what Paul says about it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. What's, what's he saying there? Paul is saying we are being saved and we continue being saved. But there's a condition there. If we hold fast to the truth. Otherwise, the faith that we had for a little while is in vain. That's what he's clearly saying. Again, in Colossians 1, he's talking about how we are reconciled with God and we will be presented Verse 22, holy and blameless and above reproach before him if 
indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Now, I'm sorry if your theology won't cope with this, but the Christian life is a race that we have to complete. You can't, we, we can't just start the race and then halfway through go, ah, yeah, I'm not going to follow Jesus anymore. I'm not, I'm not going to believe in Jesus anymore. I'm just going to give up on that faith altogether. That was, a, that was very childish of me. I'm not going to do that anymore. We can't give up halfway through it. We might as well have not started. Because the Christian life is a race we have to complete. Which brings us to the fourth heading. The remedy. If those who wander from the path of righteousness are spiritually dead, and you know what spiritually dead means, it means you're destined for hell. If those who were brothers or sisters in Christ seem to be departing from Christ, what's the remedy? Well, it's something that God does, but he does it through us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul says that while we are waiting for Christ to return, God is faithful and so he will sustain us to the end. Now that's a pretty good promise, isn't it? In Philippians he says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. At the day of Jesus Christ, right? We don't have to worry that God's going to give up on us halfway through this Christian race. Okay? God doesn't desire that any of us will fall away. He wants all of his children to persevere to the end. Ultimately, it's up to us. We're the ones who are running the race. Ultimately, it's up to us whether we're going to continue running that race, whether we're going to continue on in faith or whether we're going to reject God. But our Heavenly Father uses his children, right, other Christians, to encourage us on in the faith. God uses us as Christians to encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ on in the faith. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, Paul says, now this is a command to Christians, but exhort one another every day. Now, a few months ago, I shared with you what exhortation means. To exhort someone is to urge them on, all right? So uh, if you're as old as I am, you'll remember Laurie Lawrence uh, in the swimming pool, urging that you see him, go, 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 go. You see, very animated sort of a man. This is exhortation, right? It's, put it in a Christian scene, it's keep going, keep believing in Jesus. I've noticed that you've been falling away. Are you still praying? Let's pray together. you just got to keep going, keep believing, keep trusting in God. That's exhortation, urging one another on. And Paul says, but exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, 
that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Why do we exhort? Why do we urge one another on? Because we save their souls. God saves their souls, but we save their souls because God chooses to do it through us. When someone hasn't been to church for a while, whose job is it to go and visit them? Is it the minister's job? To write us a minister's job. Whose job is it? If you've noticed someone slipping away, it's your job. And it's not a job. It's an amazing experience to to join God in what he is doing. It's a blessing. We have to love each other enough to find the lost wanderer and to say, hey, you started out in the faith. The truth that you accepted then is still the truth today. Keep going. What's happened that you're falling away? Let's meet together and pray. Share with them that the danger of not accepting that truth is still the same danger today as it was when they believed. Can you see how important this is? Yeah, we tend to think of evangelism as the important thing. Right? The people who have never believed in Jesus will go and, and evangelize those people. But even then, most of us wimp out and don't do that. But what about those who once believed, but now they've wandered away? Can you see how important this is? We save their souls. There are a lot of people out there in the world who at some stage made a commitment to Christ, but now Jesus has just dropped off their radar. Well, I'm going to tell you this to give you confidence. Jesus might have dropped off their radar, but they sure have not dropped off his. And if it is the Lord's will to bring to completion what he has started, wow. What a blessing that is to get involved in this. My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. There's nothing passive about being a disciple of Jesus. We, we don't just have it done to us. We're involved in God's work. And how many people do you know who have started following Jesus, but they're not following him anymore? Or, or who do you know who, who don't come to worship God anymore? Or who have started following wrong teaching? Or who have got caught into a sin that that they will not repent of. Who do you know like that? 
Will you do your bit to bring them back? Will you let God work through you to bring them back? Will you do that to save their souls? I'm going to put a one-sentence prayer up on the screen and then we're going to have two minutes of silence for each of us to pray that prayer and to see what God puts in our minds. Now, it may be one person or it may be a dozen people. Lord Jesus Christ, who do I know who has wandered from the truth and you want me to bring them back? I'm going to give you two minutes of silence to pray that prayer and listen to God. Lord, the Apostle Paul said, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Lord, give us that confidence that we too will be sure that you will bring it to completion, the work that you have begun in these people who we have identified. Wow, what a promise that is. And Lord, I pray that you would do your work in us. Like So often we we think of, okay, it's, it's the other people. It's somebody else that's going to bring this person back to you. But Lord, you've told us to be the ones to exhort. You've told us to be the ones to encourage. Lord, you've revealed to us a Christian brother or a sister who has wandered. Lord, help us to care enough about them that we would contact them, that we would visit them, that we would ring them, that we would write a letter to them. And that we would invite them and urge them on in the faith. Lord, help us to not just, you know, so often in our spiritual walk, we can be so selfish and we just think of ourselves and we just think of our, our own walk with you. But Lord, we are so much a part of your body that you want us to care about the other parts of the body. You want us to care for the wanderer. Fill us with your spirit, Lord, for this purpose. Amen.